The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading of the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Some of the Sadducees, those who deny that there is a resurrection, came forward and put this question to Jesus, saying, Teacher, Moses wrote for us, if someone's brother dies leaving a wife but no child, his brother must take his wife and raise up descendants for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. The first married a woman but died childless. Then the second and the third married her. And likewise, all the seven died childless. Finally, the woman also died. Now at the resurrection, whose wife will that woman be? For all seven had been married to her. And Jesus said to them, the children of this age marry and remarry, but those who are deemed worthy to attain to the coming of age and to the resurrection of the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage. They can no longer die, for they are like angels, and they are the children of God because they are the ones who will rise. That the dead will rise, even Moses made known in the passage about the bush, when he called out, Lord, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, and he is not God of the dead, but of the living, for to him all are alive. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed is the kingdom of God. The Lord be with you. In trying to decide today what the one word that might stick in your head to help you remember what this gospel is about in these readings, I had to ponder on it. And then a woman, we were talking about our children and grandchildren going off to college, and we wondered what was wrong with them. And then we decided it had something to do with being entitled. Well, maybe the word entitled and the word entitlement might be the right word, and let's see if we can agree. You know, um, if we look up the word entitled, and the way I understand it as a lawyer, I would understand it to mean that you have some kind of legal right in something. But also, it has become to understand to have a meaning of allowed. So if we don't like something, you know, we allow it to happen. Or we look at it like, well, it might be all right, we'll allow it anyway. Now, today, we could look at some of these readings as maybe the story about seven sons and seven grooms. But that doesn't really tell the whole story. But we're going to talk about that in a minute. But we're going to understand that there's different kinds of inheritance. You know, in the old Jewish law, there was the first son born that that son would get two portions of whatever would be left. For example, we understand why Mary lived in Nazareth and not go to Joseph's home in Bethlehem because she was an only child and a woman cannot inherit on her own, but her husband, in his name for her, 
she had the right to decide that she would live in her parents' place. And that's why she went and lived in Nazareth. Now, when we study the Bible and we look at the scriptures, you know, it's really important. Somehow we don't get enthusiastic about it because somehow we don't think that they're really talking to us. Uh, the, the, the Bible is absolutely remark, remarkable. And somehow we hear gospels about things and people follow someone else other than the gospel of Christ. But if we really want to look at what's wrong with this world, we'll take a hard look at why we do not understand and do not obey the gospel of Christ. Now, in the last few Sundays, we've been looking at the readings. And it's difficult to kind of understand because in some ways, there are a lot of things that are being left out. But in the wisdom of the church and those who have put it together, these readings are pretty much a consistent theme. Remember, we were looking at discipleships and what it took, what it meant to be there. But Jesus is moving towards Jerusalem. He's, he's going that direction. And there are a lot of things that, that uh, are taking him there because he has things to fulfill. And we know that we had the encounter with the blind man a few weeks ago, and he begged Jesus, you know, heal me, Jesus. And we had Zacchaeus last weekend who was up in the tree or so, and he, he called out to Jesus. Both of those characters, both of those stories have something to say. What's interesting is that the translation of the word Zacchaeus means um, the innocent one. Now, we all know that he was the master of the tax collectors. He was the chief. How could he be the innocent one? Well, in both ways, both were entitled. One, the blind man was entitled to his blindness because the Sadducees and others felt that he surely had sinful parents and that because of those parents, he was given that evil burden to carry. But then again, he had something else. He was entitled to reach out for God's grace and ask for Jesus' healing. And he knew that he needed healing. He knew he had nothing to give for that, nothing to offer. On the other side, we have Zacchaeus, who is a man who's quite wealthy, but is getting the kind of a conscience. And perhaps he was the man that was standing with the, the other Pharisee, and he couldn't come close to the altar. Maybe that's the same Zacchaeus that Jesus knew because Jesus looked up there and saw, saw him and called him by name. But Zacchaeus had been entitled because he was rich. Now, no matter how he got it, the Sadducees, those who were entitled, would say that he had been blessed by God. He's asking for something. They're both asking. But it is not the law that gives them something. It is Jesus through his grace and mercy. We've spoken before about grace and mercy and justice. They go together. I think it's important to know that. Now let's look at the readings. To understand these readings, look at uh, the Maccabees. In some of the Protestant Bibles, they don't even have it there, but it's very important. But for the Maccabees, we would probably not have the way we know it, at least the, the Hebrew or the Jewish religion and Christianity, because what we had when they, um, the Darius had taken off, uh, had, and Nebuchadnezzar had taken off the Jewish people off into captivity, and then they were allowed to come back. 
But then, when they came back, the Greeks, uh, Alexander the Great came through there about 160 years, 150 years before Christ, and he put it under Greek rule. And as those Greek kings started demanding that the Hebrews not follow the traditions of the Hebrew folks. And so what was happening there was that they were forcing them to bow down to these idols, the king perhaps, and to eat pork and to do things that were quite upsetting. And this is where uh, the story about the seven sons uh, comes forth. Uh, they decided to become martyrs rather than to despoil themselves. So in a sense, uh, they are extending grace through doing what is right, knowing that there would be an afterlife where they would be rewarded. So if you put that together uh, with what's happening in the gospel, we've got something else happening. But before we talk about that, let's talk about um, the Psalms. In the Psalms, we were talking about the apple of God's eye. Well, now we know where that came from. It came from Psalm 17. And that's pretty important because we know that God is offering us something because he wants to protect us under his wings. And we look at Thessalonians, well, how does that fit in here? And all Paul is really saying is, is that God is good and he gives us hope and he gives us encouragement and he wants us to do good because he is good and he's going to guard us and he's going to help us get to where we need to go. But let's take a look at what's happening in the gospel with the Sadducees. Now the Sadducees are different than the Pharisees. The Sadducees are the elite, sort of like those that live um, in uh, Washington DC. You know, they have property. However they got it doesn't matter, but they own property. And they were the leaders of the Sanhedrin Unlike the Pharisees, who had self-elevated themselves through their acts of holiness, who wore tassels on their clothes and things like that, who had honorary places in synagogues and at dinner tables, they did not have the clout, so to speak, of the Sadducees. Now, the Pharisees believed in an afterlife. And so uh, what we have here today is one of the rare encounters that we have with the Sadducees. And Jesus is coming to Jerusalem. He has gone through Jericho. Now Jericho that we're talking about is a new Jericho. It's not the old one that was destroyed when they went around and around and the walls fell in. This one was right nearby, but it was built by King Herod the Great as a summer or a winter place to, to hang out over the Dead Sea. Jesus is coming through there. And as he's going through town, he's encountering these people, the blind man and Zacchaeus. Now there's some things that when Jesus arrives in Jerusalem, what's not mentioned here is uh, the woman at the well, and uh, we're not talking about uh, the new colt that he rides and uh, the passion and everything else and the driving people out of the, out of the temple area, all the merchants. What we're really focused in on is getting right to the point. The Sadducees are afraid of Jesus because he's challenging their authority. He's speaking with such a way that they don't know really what to do with him and they want to impress on him that they're smarter than he is. And they come up with this confab of having all these seven men marry this one woman. Now you've got to understand why they're doing this because they're deciding that they know that the only way they're going to inherit is through succession of uh, maybe someone, their father, or leaving them bland. 
or that there is a son to inherit. If a woman has no one to, to inherit, uh, no son to give property to, uh, it isn't going to transfer. So they're, they're focused on this life here and now. There are a lot of people who do that right now, that they're not so worried about any afterlife. They've got it now and they deserve it now and they're gonna see who has the most toys. And that's what's going on. But it's ridiculous in a way. I mean, it's something that we wouldn't even think about marrying your brother's wife, widow. You wouldn't do it. But they're pushing the point, wanting him to see what he would say. And Jesus is not moved by what they're thinking. He insists that there is something else that happens after death. I don't know how many of us here have really thought about dying or afterlife or even God this week. I don't know. I think uh, it's a good thing to be thinking about these things. And it's not a sad thing. It's really a joyous thing because our Lord gives us a way to deal with these things. So when we have faith, we can accept the faith that we read in the law. For example, we could look at the Ten Commandments and try to understand that and all the things that the church teaches. But then again, we look at Mary and we know that Mary magnifies our Lord and we can look at our Lord Jesus Christ and get his graces to flow to us. And that's really what we want to do. So can we deal with life? Yes, we can. Because in a part, we're sharing with that suffering that our Lord Jesus Christ has suffered on the cross. You know, we believe that all time is present to our Lord. Is it not right to kind of think that our Lord is suffering at this minute right now on that cross as well? All time is present to our Lord. And he's waiting for all of us anxiously. The question that we've got to ask ourselves is how far will our Lord go to take us with him to heaven? How far will he go to bring us back? We know the story about the sheep, the lost sheep. He leaves the others and he goes and he finds it and brings us back and he celebrates. We know the story about the widow who loses the gold coin and sweeps and finds it. Then you say, well, why is she having a party? Because she finds it. Well, or the man who sees a, a pearl in a field and buys the field and sells everything to do that. Because it's everything. Our Lord, isn't our Lord everything? And if we look at our lives and we say, well, I'm not happy. Well, I'm not so concerned about the happiness of my children or grandchildren or your happiness. I'm more concerned about our my, your well-being. And it is our Lord's the same way. He's concerned. Is it not time now to start thinking about how we can welcome our Lord into our hearts? To bring him home. You know, I marvel when I say uh, the, the rosary every day, sometimes several times, but then especially when in the joyful mysteries when Mary makes haste to the hill country. That's like David going when he found where the Holy of Holies was hidden. He went to recover it. When Mary goes and knocks on her cousin Elizabeth's door, and Elizabeth is her mother's first cousin. Elizabeth's name means the house of God. How appropriate. If you read carefully, 
and you study the gospel, and you should, and all the readings, and understand them, and that's our job, the more you know, the better it gets. And we can be entitled, and we could be entitled to something we do not want to get, and we can be entitled to something that we deserve. That could be frightening, but we are entitled to accept our Lord Jesus Christ into our hearts. This week, let's try to do that. Let's give time to our Lord to reflect on those beautiful things and those wonderful things that he is offering to us. As Catholics, and I mean that also includes the Eastern Church, the Orthodox Catholics with a small c, we have a wonderful treasure God has given us such wonderful gifts. Let us accept those gifts. We've been entitled to receive it, yet we're also entitled to reject it. The Lord be with you. Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, amen.